Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solutions L3C. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Bridging Chicago. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. This is Nathan, your host, and I'm joined today by Kevin Gillespie. He's the co-founder and president of Headline Solar, and I'm really excited to uh, talk to you, Kevin, about Headline because... Uh, I know I've looked into solar power before, but obviously even more so now that we got connected. And I mean, the future, well, this is kind of corny. The future does seem bright for solar, but (laughs) I just realized as I was saying that, that's a bad pun. (laughs) Um, But it does. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the future is bright, you know. Um, You know, thanks for having me on. It's a a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. Um, Being a native Chicagoan, it's nice to connect with other people that that are are creative and, and doing things like this because uh, we're we're a super creative city. Um, yeah. A lot of people a lot of people don't want to don't want to put that out there. You know, it's a fear of the unknown, and that's kind of how it is with with solar. People see it as a fear of the unknown because they don't see it on everybody else's house. On everybody else's house, they see a you know they see a front yard, they see a roof, they see everybody's got windows and a door, but not every house has has solar on it. So. Um, there, you know, there's an, there's a, a, an uncertainty that comes with that. And our, our biggest mission with headline solar, um, you know, our sales process isn't, isn't like a, a pushy salesman coming to your door and, uh, you know, in a slick suit and tie with a briefcase trying to sell you a used vehicle. We're trying to educate before we, mm-hmm. we go to the next step. And, um, that's a lot, you know, education is the most important thing with solar energy. Um, yeah. you, you just don't see it in everybody's house. So people, you know, they, they, it's an instant question. Is this, is this worth it? Is it valuable? And, uh, you know, it's going to increase the value of your home. It's going to lower your bills and give you, you know, a more stable bill. That's what, that's what a lot of people don't see. Um, and that's, that's just a lot of, a lot of the, the bridges to it. But the biggest, one of the biggest things is, uh, is how many jobs it brings and the, the growth potential, because we've already seen tremendous growth over the last, just over the last five years. Just over the last two years, you know, you see year over year growth is incredible and bringing, bringing more jobs to Illinois is incredibly important. Yeah. And especially right now, that can seem like a tough task, but um, but something that we definitely want to talk about is, is like how you're doing that in this environment. But let's take a step back and let's learn a little about you and about your, your past. Um, I know that you said you're from Chicago here. Yes. It's awesome. We love having Chicago natives. We also know that neighborhoods are very important to Chicago. The most so, important thing in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so tell us about you know your neighborhood growing up and, and what it was like for you. I you grew up here. Yeah, I grew up in Portage Park. Um, I was you know just a couple blocks from the from that from Portage Park, and I grew up in a neighborhood with kids my age. My block had five other kids that were my age, two blocks over had another kid, two blocks up to another kid. And uh, we all went to the same grade school. All of my, all of my best friends are kids that I met 
like in the neighborhood. We've been best friends since kindergarten. We still talk every day. Um, so neighbor neighborhoods are important. It's one of the things that that I don't think any other city has. I mean, they may have they may have like a a, a semblance of it or a small part of it, but our communities here in Chicago are huge. And um, and even though they're huge, they're they're tight knit. Everybody everybody in Portage Park or in my in my part of Portage Park knew each other. All the neighbors were checking up on each other, and every everybody talks and everybody everybody congregates and gets together in the mornings and the afternoons. All the kids are out playing. I mean, we played kick the can every night in the summer. Um, going to going to school in the morning, we'd all get to one guy's house and their parents would drop us off. It was it was really cool growing up growing up in Chicago. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because you've been able to keep that, it sounds like, and, and that's something that has, uh, like you were saying, you still have friends from there and you still talk to these guys all the time. Um, so how do you think you were able to keep those bonds? Because a lot of times, you know, you go, you leave your neighborhood, you go to college, you start work, you start family, you do whatever, and, and it's really hard to keep those bonds with the people that you grew up with. So how have you all been able to do that um, and stay close. I mean, you, you have to, you have to want to keep those bonds. You know, if it, if it, it's got, it's gotta be organic and it's gotta be natural. You know, we're, we're, we were originally friends because we were all the same size, you know, mm. <laughs> that's, I think how everybody starts out is you start out um, as the same size. And then from there you can become, uh, you know, more understanding of each other's nuances and you can kind of all get, the same, you know, that you start liking the same stuff. And if one guy comes through, you know, with, uh, with a new video game, then everybody's playing it. But we were able to maintain it because, because we wanted to, um, you know, you, you meet a lot of people over the course of your life. And as you grow up, you get a lot of friends in, in high school and in college, new jobs, but keeping a core group, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's nostalgic, but it, it is at the same time, but everybody's got to grow. And, you know, as, as I've, as I've gone through and, and started businesses and, and, you know, had, had jobs and things like that, my, my circle has shrunk, you know, it was these core group of guys that I grew up with, plus all the other friends that I've accumulated over the course of my life. And as I've, as I've grown, you know, you start, you start purposefully we, weeding out people that aren't, that aren't on the same level or don't want to grow where you are, but you know, stagnant, stagnant people aren't going to help you. And you're not going to be able to benefit them evil either because they're just not they're not going to listen. And you can yeah. you can you can change, and everybody obviously does change. But again, you have to want to change, and you have to want to be better, and you have to want all these things. Otherwise, it's you know you're not going to force a square peg into a round hole. It just doesn't work. Is that really hard to realize that someone isn't you know that friendship with this person isn't something that is going to work, and some, not something that's worth like putting in that effort because you just know that maybe they are a toxic energy or they just don't, I don't want to say don't bring anything to the table because I think everyone can in some way, but just that relationship between you and that person isn't going to work. Is that something that's really hard for you to sort of realize and then say like, Hey, you know, let's move on from here. It, it used to be hard. Um, the first time that you remove somebody that's, uh, and like you said, you don't want to say that because they're not a benefit to you, but it's reciprocal. If, if I'm, if I'm putting something out there and I'm not getting anything back, then it's not, 
it's not it's not beneficial to either party. You can't always be a taker and never and never give something back. Um, and and yeah, the the first time removing a negative person from my life that was extremely difficult. But as as I've gotten older, I'm 33 now. As I've gotten older and removed more and more negative people, it's become. I mean, it just it is what it is. It's a part of life. Yeah, you you're gonna have you know you're gonna you're gonna have to get rid of some bad stuff. Yeah, when it's, whether it's a person or it's you know a pair of old shoes, it doesn't matter. You know, or a bad habit. <laughs> or a bad habit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so after growing up uh, here, did you then like do the out of high school, go to college thing? So, so after narrowly escaping St. Patrick high school on the Northwest side of Chicago, I, um, I went to Northeastern and then I ended up in California and then I ended up back at Columbia and then I went back to California and, um, Went to Musicians Institute in California, um, came back to Chicago, went to Wright College after that, and then um, started going. Uh, I, I actually originally started my entrepreneurial type thing in uh, 2010, 2011. I created a, a product for for drums. I, I, I've been playing drums for the last you know two and a half decades. Um, and I created something and I ended up bringing it to market and failed miserably at it. I think I sold six of them in Italy, which was <laughs> cool, but you know, didn't, didn't, didn't do what I was expecting it to do. Um, so after that, I, I, uh, I was trying out for the Illinois state police department of corrections. I got screened out of that. And then I moved on to, uh, to becoming a, a building engineer. And while I was a building engineer, I went to, I went to school for that, um, and, you know, after all these colleges that I've gone to and dropped out of, I still don't have a degree. I've got a lot of hours logged in school, but I have <laughs> zero to show for it, except some receipts, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, it just, it just wasn't for me, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, in these times when people are realizing maybe going out and getting, you know, forty to $100,000 in debt to go to school, to get a job, to do something that you hope is even in your field, something that you think you might enjoy, but you're picking this thing at 18 years old. So who knows? Right. Um, people are realizing that, you know, you don't necessarily need to do it that way in order to find happiness and in order to provide your, with, for your family and do the things that you want to do. And so I think that is changing a little bit, but for you, I mean, at, at the time that you're doing all this, I think, you know, other people that you grew up with were probably out, you know, doing some of those things, going to school, getting a job, all those kind of things. So what was it like for you? Did you have troubles like comparing yourselves to other people or did, or like finding success when other people were doing these things that, that seemed to be successful or, or like, what was that like for you at that time? Sort of so doing something I mean, different. Yeah. I mean, I've got a, I've got, I got two answers for this, right? There's a quote out there that I, impart upon my children and I, anybody that ever, I, anybody I ever talked to comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. If you're looking in your neighbor's bowl, trying to find out if they have more than you so that you can get more. then every time you get to their level, you're going to be disappointed because they're still ahead of you. So every yeah. time you you're comparing what, even if you're hitting, you know, I, I guess we'll call it a base hit. I'm not really a sports fan, but that's the only analogy I really ever use hitting a base hit 
may seem like a base hit to you because you're comparing it to somebody else's home run. But if you're if you're hitting base hits and comparing it to nobody else, then you're still making progress. Yeah. Because you're looking at what you're doing and, you know, winners aren't concerned about the other person's lane. You need to stay in your lane and focus on yourself. Otherwise, you're always going to be miserable, always wondering why everybody else has more than you when what you have should be enough. You should be looking in your neighbor's bowl to make sure they have enough and that's it. And if they don't, you should be, you know, trying to find a way to help them. And then, um, you know, comparing yourselves to others and, you know, everybody else's success it's, it's, it's just going to hurt you. Everybody's trajectory is different. You know, I, I probably read it on different places, but there's, there's like a timeline of success stories. And it's like, um, JK Rowling didn't write her first book till she was 45 or whatever. And, you know, Colonel Sanders didn't, didn't get his recipe nailed down till he was 70. Um, you know, it, in, whoops. In the, in the, in the age of social media where everybody is, putting out their best you're yeah. you're not you're not going to see what they're going through you're not going to see struggle you're not going to see hardship no one's posting that you know they had the worst day of their life today but they're going to post that you know they're going to post that home run and you're not going to post your single base hit because you don't think it's worth it but in reality i mean base hits add up all that stuff adds up um and and your timeline isn't going to match up with somebody else's. I, my, my best friend is a, is a surgeon. When he was in, in school at Johns Hopkins, I wasn't concerned with what he was doing. I, I made sure that he was okay. I made sure that he was doing what he wanted to do because he always wanted to do that. Yeah. I always wanted to, to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't have, the, I didn't have the, the guts to do it. You know, I always wanted to be safe and secure. Um, but once I realized that safety and security was limiting me, then I was able to break free of that stuff and move on. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without my wife telling me, you know, I, I came back from, from a trip and I said, I'm going to quit my job in two weeks. She said, now you're quitting your job today. Mm. And that was it. That wow. was, you know, you, 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 I, I didn't, I didn't find any, you know, success until I was, you know, 25. Yeah. And that sounds odd to say until I was 25, but in the day, in the, in this social media age, Everybody, you know, if you're not a if you're not a millionaire by 19, or at least pretending to be one on Instagram, then you've failed miserably, and that's that's part of the um, that's part of the you know the comparing yourself to others. It's just going to steal yeah. away all your joy. Somebody else's success is not is not to be compared to. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot there uh, that yes. we could talk about, but I want to <laughs> I want to go back to two things. First, let's talk about what you shared about um, making sure that others had what they needed and making sure that others could, you know, survive. And um, one of the things that I really enjoy hearing from people is about how they do that, how they, you know, t what they think about social justice issues and sort of how they help make sure that, uh, that everyone ha has their needs covered. And so for you, um, what does that look like for you? Like, what's, what's really important to you uh, in in other people and making sure that they are cared for. I've I've always I've always been somebody that that wanted to give back. I never I never had enough money to give back, but whenever I had money, I made sure that I was giving. You know, if I was you know if we were going out to eat with some friends, you know, I'd pick up the bill. You know, if it meant I was putting my account down to zero, that's cool. 
but I made sure that they were eating. Or if somebody wanted to, you know, this is, you know, years ago, we'd go to the bars. If somebody wanted to go out, but they didn't have any way to, 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 to go out, you know, they were broke, I'd take them out. And it was just what it was. Um, I'm not, I'm not really a social justice. Um, I'm not really in the loop of those things. You know, I, I try as, I try as hard as I possibly can to never watch any news because I think that, and I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not on any political spectrum. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I've always been avoiding politics because I think politicking puts you in a category and, and turns people that love you against you and turns people that you love into enemies just because of a color that you choose. If you're choosing red or blue or whoever you voted for, I I think politicking just, it just turns ugly automatically. Um, but, um, you know, look at, looking at, you know, I avoid, I avoid, like I said, I avoid all news, so I'm not really familiar with all the things that are going on all the time. Um, but you know, two years ago, you know, we were at the, at the mall going, picking up some stuff right before the Christmas season. And there was a, there was like a, a gifting table for, for underserved children. And I was with my son and I, I, I took him over there and I showed him, I said, you know, we, we've been extremely fortunate. All the things that we have in life were because because of our, our choices, but some other people don't get the same choices that we get. And, you know, you're always, you're always a product of your environment, but, you know, sometimes your environment is, you know, you, you can't dig your way out of a sand pit. Every time you get the, you know, the shovel above your head, you're just putting yourself further down into it. So if you, if you're surround, again, this goes back to surrounding yourself with, with people that are going to better you. Um, you know, if, if, if you can't get out of where you're at, you know, we, it's up to, it's up to the people that can give to give. So we, we were going up to this gifting table and, you know, they were asking for a dollar or $2 to sponsor a gift. And we, we gave whatever we, we gave as much as we could. And I made sure my son was the person that handed over the money because, mm. you know, the point, the point of having money and the point of, of wealth and then discovering what true wealth is, is to be able to give to people that are less fortunate and to be able to help those that can't help themselves. Um, and I, I just want to show him that's, that it's important and all the, all the hours I put in and all the work that I'm doing and all the time that I'm away isn't just to get a bigger house or a faster car or, or more drum sets or more guitars. It's to, it's to be able to serve others. Um, and I, I try to impart that upon him as much as I can because he, he sees what I do yeah. I, and I, and he, he watches and they, you know, kids don't forget his yeah. life is only five years long. He remembers every single little detail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I used to work at a summer camp and I would tell our counselors that all the time. It's like, if you tell that kid, if you sit here and be good for this hour while we're in this thing, I'll give you candy when we get back to the cabin. You better have candy back at the cabin because he will yeah. ask you for that when you get back there. So yeah. just keep that in mind because they they uh kids are smarter than you think and they remember a lot more than you think so yep that's for sure um i'd like for you to share about uh you you shared with us your about this conversation with your wife about um quitting your job and not only supporting that but saying like nope that's gonna happen today and so for you uh what is that partnership like and, and why is it so important to find a partner who can can be like can not only um, come, come alongside you, but challenge you. And, and I guess, why is that important? And then 
was that difficult to do for you or, or did it kind of naturally happen where you have this sort of partnership with your wife? So we, when we first met, we were both, um, we were both drunks, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, you know, we were younger. I was 23, she was 21 and we were, you know, we were bar stars. We would go to the bars every night, spend every paycheck on, on having a good time. Um, but she had her head on straight and she was working very hard for for herself and she was well put together. I was picking up um, dog poop at a uh, at a doggy daycare and I wasn't I wasn't focused on on getting better. I was focused on staying the same because the people I was surrounding myself with were staying the same and they were they were fine with that. And I looked up to them because, you know, they're having a great time. They, you know, they, they looked like they were having a great time, but I'm sure they were going to sleep at night wondering how the next day was going to go. And, um, she, she always supported me. She always had my back. She's always had my back with everything that I've done. There's been times, you know, that was a, that, that decision to do that wasn't like a, like a five year long thought process or a year long or even a month long thing. It was, I went on this trip and came back and quit a job that was, was a very high paying job. I was, you know, it was a bill. I was a building engineer. It required a license. It required a lot of hours of training. And I was making more than enough to, 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 to get by on. Um, but it wasn't fulfilling. Um, and I, and I, when I, when I did put in my notice, I was at a point, it was a tipping point where I was, I had started another business and I was getting more traction with that. And so I had, I had basically replaced my income, um, with, with my business that I was working on. So I was taking phone calls constantly at work. And, um, the day that I, the day that I turned in my notice, um, I had been on a phone call, uh, just before I had gotten there in the parking lot of a Kinko's because I didn't own a printer. And I had, and that day was the start of a, you know, of a, of a relationship with a, with a client that paid me as much as my job paid me. So I was standing in the parking lot of this Kinko's with no money in my pocket or what, you know, whatever I had been making from my job. And I signed a contract with him that was replacing that income. So I was at Kinko's printing out my resignation, re- replacing my income in that in that same instance, and then going to work and, and putting in my resignation. And I remember handing my my chief engineer my resignation, and he said, "Oh, hey, you know, you you finished your you know your your quizzing over the weekend." I said, "No, I'm quitting." He said, "Ah, I knew it, because everybody there had seen that I was doing other things, and and I knew that there was other people in." you know, in the, the building engineer community and the, the union that I was involved with that needed what I had. Yeah. And I was, I wasn't, I wasn't directly robbing them of it, but I was taking a position and I was in a spot where I had, you know, I had a really good shift, you know, it takes guys years to get to that shift. And I had, I had all these things. Um, but somebody else, somebody else needed it more than I did. So I, you know, when I came back from that trip and I told my wife I was quitting in two weeks and she said, no, you're doing it today. I didn't have the confidence to do it. She had to, she had to tell me that it was, that it was the right thing to do. And there's, there's fear, but uh, you know, all these decisions that I've made, they're not, they're not always a hundred percent calculated, but if I can reverse engineer where I want to be and what steps it takes to get there, then I see, you know, the first couple, first couple steps are going to be hard and we're going to be broke and we're going to be struggling. But once the light of the, at the end of the tunnel is within sight, 
that's when the real progress starts being made and we can start moving toward that. But it, I wouldn't have taken that leap without my wife telling me to take it. She's always so, had my Yeah. And knowing all of that and sort of seeing how personal that is, I mean, to have a business fail, I, I imagine would be very difficult. Um, and so, you know, regardless of success or failure, do you feel like starting a business and then seeing what happens with it, is that something? is that a process that you have to like grieve a business that fails or to celebrate one that is succeeding by also bringing other people into that? Is that a process where I guess when something fails, do you have to grieve that? Like, how do you deal with that? It's, it's, it's just a lesson that, that needed to be learned. That's all you can't, if you, if you grieve it, you're going to, you're going to rest on that and you're going to sit on that and it's all going to be in the back of your mind. Um, but if you take that failure as a as an experience and something that you know cost you time and money to learn, then it's it's the same thing as going to college. It's the same thing as 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 doing whatever what everybody else's success story looks like. You know, every every time someone's in a four year college, right? They have tests, they have quizzes, and they may fail a class or they may have to redo something here and there. It's the same thing in business. Yeah. Um, but but taking taking the leap is is like is the hardest part because you don't know you don't you truly don't know what's on the other side of it but if you have a good support system around you you know my wife is a massive supporter um my 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 dad's always supported me my mom my stepmom my my mother-in-law and father-in-law always supported me uh my friends you know they'll talk a little bit of trash but that's that's the motivation you know yeah. Everybody around me supports me. And if I didn't have those people, I would not even, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even touch this with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Or touch um, any business operate, you know, business idea with a 10 foot pole. I think it's, it's awesome. When I was uh, reading about your start and hearing that you created this drum thing, I thought, okay, is this like a drum, like engineer kind of drum or is it like a drum? And I was like, Oh, so you, you, you do drum, you are a drummer, which is awesome. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, you, you definitely look the part, <laughs> um, but I, I guess like having that creative side of you, does that help you in business and, and in entrepreneurship? Have you seen that sort of come up in different areas? Absolutely. You know, it's, um, it's, it's about being scrappy at the beginning, mm. you know, there's, 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 you'll, you'll always find a way when you're, when you're creative. And I can scratch my creative itch with, with advertising. That's one thing that I, you know, that's how we started this business with marketing first. So you can scratch a little bit of a creative itch with that. Obviously it doesn't satisfy, you know, going out and playing drums in front of, you know, in front of people, but it's, it's helped us grow being creative. You know, I, 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 I watched some episodes of King of the Hill a long time ago. And I remember there was a character on King of the Hill that always had, that would get into a fight and he would have sand in his pocket. And that was his, that was his, that was his leverage, right? If he was, cause he was a little wiry guy. And if he was fighting somebody, he'd pull the sand out of his pocket and throw it in their eyes. And that was his way to, to, to beat up the bigger guy. So as, as, as a business owner and, and as a creative person, you have to be super scrappy. And I think, you know, being creative is like the sand in my pocket. If we're going, if we're, if we're, the solar industry is, is behemoth, it's massive, but, we can take our, we can take what, you know, our part of it, because there's enough for everybody. We can take our part of it by being creative and being scrappy and getting things done the way that, that we think they should be done. And that's, that's all part of it. You know, being, 
being scrappy and creative. Huh. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, the sand in the pocket thing always throws people off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great analogy though, because like at first I was like, okay, well I don't understand what that, but then it, that is you know talking about your competitive edge. I think that is that puts it into a perspective that you can really understand and you can see like everyone has something that is the sand in the pocket. You just have to figure out what yours is. Right. Everybody has it. Every single person on earth has it. Yeah. But, you know, you have to believe in yourself and you have to have people that support you to tell you, you know, your crazy idea. Although it's crazy, it may work. So let's try it. Yeah. I want to quickly talk about Wax and Wick. Yes. Because I actually grew up, my family, when I was growing up, owned a candle company. Really? And so they started in our basement. They started making candles, my mom and dad. And I remember I would come home and you would smell like brownies or apple pie and just like, oh, it smells so good. I can't wait to eat that. And you realize, oh, they're making a, you know, a hot fudge brownie candle downstairs. And so it's just <laughs> so disappointing. But uh, so that's really cool that you had, yeah, <laughs> that, you had that, uh, that candle company. So what was that like for you? I mean, how did that come about? And then, you know, well, why did you move on from there? I mean, that, that business is still running. That business still does really well. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's pretty hands-off. You know, we have a, a great co-packer that we work with. And my business partner, um, he runs he runs a lot of it right now while I'm, okay. while I'm building up Headline. Um, but I was, a, I, was a, I was a trainee engineer. I was in the, um, the apprenticeship program for build, for, as a building engineer. I was making 15 bucks an hour. And I, I'm all, I was always trying to think of other ways to make more money or other ways to, to get new skills and start new business ventures because that's, you know, that was my entrepreneurial itch that I needed to scratch, but I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't take the leap. Um, but we were, I was sitting at my, I had a small writing desk and I was sitting at it writing and typing away. And uh, I had a candle that I'd bought from, from a, you know, a big box store and I was burning it, but I had it. For whatever reason, I had it either too close to the wall or I had it touching the wall. And when I extinguished the candle, I noticed that there was a big black soot mark up the wall. And um, I tried to clean it off, and it you know it came off relatively easily. But I was like, "There's got to be another another way out of you know out there to to make a cleaner burning candle." So I started researching, and um, I noticed that all the candles that say that they're soy they're soy wax candles, they're typically or traditionally a blend of soy and paraffin wax. And they say soy on them because they have 10% of the wax is soy and then 90% paraffin. That was creating like a toxic environment with when you burn it because, you know, paraffin wax is a byproduct of manufacturing tires and things like that. And um, I sought it like set out to make a hundred, well, 100% soy candle and then I discovered Wood Wicks. There's another bigger brand out there I won't mention, but um, they use Wood Wicks. And I found a manufacturer for that and just started making candles in my kitchen. Well, my mom, my mom's kitchen with my wife. Um, and we started going from there. And it was, it was, you know, the first couple months was making it by hand. And we started getting more traction and getting more orders. And we were like, well, we really can't do this. This yeah. isn't going to work. And we found a co-packer in Illinois. Um, that does all of our manufacturing and shipping for us. Um, we, we, you know, we, we handcraft our own scents. We, we 
we we do we do all of it um except the manufacturing of it that's the, you know that's something we just can't compete with you know we're not yeah. I, I can't i can't be using a double boiler in my house um keeping the candle glass warm doing all the mixing finding the flash points making sure i don't mess that up and then making dud candles when there's a you know there's somebody that does it better than i do and that was that's another important thing is you know finding your strengths and running with them but also finding people that are better at what your weak you know what your weaknesses are we, yeah. we just couldn't compete with it so we've got we've got that going and um you know we we do we do well with the candles awesome it's been a, a you know, i don't i don't look like somebody that <laughs> that makes candles which is what what makes it a lot in my in my mind it makes it more comical but um but yeah it's, it's been it's been awesome yeah so kind of shifting over that the manufacturing and distribution part of that has allowed you has given you space to start headline solar now and yeah. um i mean when when you read about headline solar and you read about solar energy it's one of those things i think that a lot of people would be like yeah i'd like to be able to do that i'd like to be able to help the planet save some money still be able to you know use my ipad at night but i think because it is like you were saying earlier and earlier because it's not out there because you don't see it on all these roofs because you don't you don't hear about it all the time and all the advertisements as much as you do about you know energy companies it's one of those things that doesn't seem as possible to do or it doesn't seem as easy to do and after looking at headline you start to realize this is not only very feasible but it's really the future and it's really about when are you going to get on board with this are you going to do it now or do it later when there's more companies doing it more competition probably you know not as cost efficient to install it as it is with you guys right now right right now is the most cost efficient solar or renewable energy has been ever you know 10 years ago the cost of going solar was not only extremely expensive but it wasn't um it wasn't nearly as technologically as advanced as it is now um you know we're seeing our you know our flagship panel has um, you know, 20, 30 year warranties on it. Um, it has, uh, resistance against, you know, gigantic hail. Um, and it has low degradation rates, typical solar panels, um, their degradation rates over, it's over a 15 year period. You start to, you start to see that the panel will degrade down or I'm sorry, 25 year period where it'll degrade down about 15%. These panels are, you know, between twelve and a half percent and ten percent, and it's it's only it's only going to get going to get better over the next, you know, the next year. I think it's uh, it's Moore's law, where every eighteen months, technology, you know, the the growth of technology doubles. So we're at a point now where the apex of the technology is at its highest. So a doubling in eighteen months is going to be dramatically larger than the doubling over 18 months, you know, 10 years ago, we were looking at larger panels with lower wattage 10 years ago and a double, you know, doubling that made it, made it half as, half as, half as large and twice as strong, but that twice as strong was still very low. And now we're, we're seeing increases that are just astronomical. Efficiencies are going up, safety, um, the longevity, and, you know, most importantly, the efficiency that the panels are going up and, 
being being able to connect people to the grid and be able to get that energy that extra extra you that extra energy paid to you know for them to produce by the utilities is is awesome but also being able you know like you said being able to use your ipad at night you know going with battery storage battery backup storage um it's still about as expensive as getting a gas generator but again you're looking at no you know much a much smaller carbon footprint than running a gas generator um and again the technology is just getting better and better as we as we go through you know as as time passes so people are considering battery backup storage people are considering other you know alternatives to their to the way that they want to produce their energy and i think i mean i think it's an amazing thing but again like you said nobody's not everybody's seeing it on their on their roof not you know not everybody's talking about it when you get a new roof you're not you're not going to all your friends and saying how cool your new roof is nobody cares maybe you get your windows replaced again you're not running to all your you know friends and family and saying hey my windows look a lot better than they used to everyone's like <laughs> cool great you know they again nobody yeah. cares um, but you go buy a new you know you go buy you go buy a new car and everyone's you know got their eyes wide open for it so as people are buying electric electric vehicles i think that might be a a gateway for people to understanding that renewable energies are are, are the future and in the future is I, and I, this is as cliche as it gets but the future is here <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah the the, the growth is going to be incredible over the next over the next year so then knowing this as as headline solar is expanding what differentiates your company from others uh, i know you talked earlier about the selling points and saying you know you obviously have to sell these things and right. people have to, to buy them and put them on the roofs. Um, but how do you, how have you differentiated yourself and what makes you more than just a company that sells solar panels and sticks them on someone's roof and walks away? Yeah, we, we do a lot of in-house training. Um, we have our own uh, proprietary installation method that is monitored as the, as the technicians are installing. Um, we have we have great electricians on our crew. Um, we have excellent pre-install operations processes. We've got you know industry veterans that that work on our team, and our systems and processes are something that we've focused on right from the beginning. You know, as a as a business owner, you know if you don't if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So we're always trying to measure and improve what we're doing, and being a, you know building a relationship with the customer um, and being local to Illinois, I think has given us an advantage because yeah. I'm from here. I know, I know, I know how weird our weather is. I know how to the, I mean, taxes are whatever they are. I, I refuse to look at it cause it's, it's, it's only, it's only gone up. You know, there's never been a, Hey, we're going to give you back some money. But with the SREC program, the solar, solar renewable energy credit program that Illinois was, um, was a part of with the Illinois Shines program, you know, we were we were able to put money back in homeowners' pockets. There's another vote that's happening for that, um, I believe, next month. I'd have to check on the date, but they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be extending the renewable energy credit program. And then there's um, there's the path to 100 that's that's still in, in in progress. And these are all things that Illinois is finally thinking about and finally considering. Infrastructure is yeah. is hugely important. I mean, I'm not sure where you live, but when I was growing up, 
I would drive up, you know, my dad would drive me up and down Harlem Avenue if we were going somewhere. And Harlem, I think Harlem Avenue was on, was under construction for like, for like six years. And then a lot of other streets are under construction for long amounts of time. So infrastructure improvement is, is going to kind of go hand in hand with the renewable energy um, movement here, because I think we can all take a lesson from what happened in Texas when they had their, their power outages. I mean, that was a week long, was a week long uh, dramatic event that affected how, however many people it affected. But, you know, we opened up in, in Houston. Um, well, the process started last year for Earth Day, but, um, you know, COVID really didn't help out with that. We weren't able to really travel down there and things like that. But we, we got our legs down there now, and we're starting to see that, you know, people people want battery storage. They want they want to they want to be able to know that if there is a an infrastructure or a grid issue, that they can have the support from what they're producing to to keep them online and keep right. and keep you know keep their their AC on or keep uh, you know make sure they can use their microwave to eat or their you know all the food in their fridge doesn't go bad. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing a we're seeing a shift, but you know it's not like it's not a it's not this dramatic shift where one day it's this and tomorrow it's that you know it's 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 a, it's going to be a long process but until people are until people are talking about it more consistently and people are are being about it more consistently then we're going to you know we're going to be still relying on on fossil fuels and and relying on um you know outdated infrastructure for uh for you know not for development, but for um, for transmission. So, what can you give us a couple of misconceptions that people have about solar energy, and uh, kind of break bust those myths that sure. uh, the common ones that you know? Yeah, the, the the one main one we always used to get was it's going to look ugly on my roof, and our our when we were selling, we would ask, "What color is your neighbor's roof?" And they never knew because they were never looking at their neighbor's roof and they weren't looking at their own roof. So if you, it, a lot of people think that they're ugly and they're cumbersome on your roof, but you know, they're the panels that we use are black on black on black. There's, they're just gorgeous. They look sleek and make your house look like a robot. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I, I think they look gorgeous. I'm biased obviously, but I think they look gorgeous. Um, another, another very common myth is that it's only going to power certain items in your home. That may be true with certain battery backup systems, but with with solar, we're tying into your meter, or the or just after the meter, where it's being um, where the power is being fed to your main panel. So every every circuit on that on that main panel is going to be served, and you'll be using your electricity based on what you produced from solar. Anything you you know, obviously after, you know, after it gets dark, you're not going to be using the solar, but if you have battery backup, that's where that comes into play and you can start storing energy and using it, off, you know, off peak times at night. Um, another, another huge misconception is that it's expensive with, with the ability to finance it and the cost, the, the cost of it is just, it's being driven down, not as a race to the bottom, but it's being driven down because of availability and manufacturing costs going down, and there's also you know government subsidies. We we were blessed with the uh, the tax credit being extended, so that takes off um, 
you know, that's 26% of the cost of the system being wiped off your taxes. If you have tax liability, you, you can put that money in your pocket, that extra 26% of the system. Um, some states have, uh, have energy incentives. You know, Illinois had the solar renewable energy credit program. Um, it's currently, unfortunately, in limbo right now, but we, we're expecting it to be voted through and we're expecting it to be um, granted an extension uh, just because of how many jobs it's brought to Illinois and how many, you know, how many solutions we've provided for people based on that. Um, so the cost of, you know, if, if you're looking at the combination of the, the renewable energy credit and the tax credit, you know, you're, you can see 50 to 55% of the cost of the system vanish just from that. And like I said, um, with the financing that's available, typically the cost of a system is, is roughly what you pay for your electric bill right now. So you're just taking one bill and replacing it. And instead of seeing your bill go up and down and up and down, you'll see a static solar payment. And that just replaces that bill. And that's, those are, those are the three big misconceptions that we, that we normally see. Oh, so knowing Oh, well, I got, I got one more. Okay. The other one is, the, I, and this is, I shouldn't have, I should have put this one first, but the biggest misconception is that if you go solar, it's going to power your house and you're going to have $0 bill. There's always going to be a transmission charge from the utility. And you're always going to have to rely on the grid for your off-peak usage. If you're using it at nighttime, then you're going to have to pay for it from the from from the utility. But the misconception there is that when people say they've gone solar or they're they you know they put solar on their roof, they're 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 expecting solar to be powering their house 24 hours a day. Yeah. And I mean, we can educate people as much as we possibly can, but helping somebody understand that in order for you to use your solar power, the sun has to be out. That's something that we, I think that's kind of, you know, like way, way back, you know, you should have figured <laughs> out that the, if you're going to use solar, it's got to come from the sun. Yeah. But with the, with, with the, the backup, uh, the battery and the, the battery backup storage, that's when after hours you can use it and you won't be taking from com or from uh, the utility grid. And that's, that's, I think, is the, the most important misconception. Yeah. People can think it's ugly all they want, but if they don't understand the standard standalone storage and then battery backup, that's that's what what people, I think, have the hardest time understanding. And so for people who have heard this and they've heard you talk about some of those myths and they've heard you share about you know what, what you do as far as getting it on the roof and getting them energy, um, if they're thinking about if this is right for them, what would you say they should think about? What would you say they should look into or, or research or talk to someone about if they're thinking, okay, is, is this right for me to do in my house and with my family? Absolutely. The question of, is it, is it right for me? I guess you have to, you know, I think before we, uh, we started, we talked about diving deeper into what motivates what motivates you as a person? And the, the biggest motivator for me in my life is my children and my wife. I do everything I do today. I know is going to have a direct effect on them in the future. So if I were, if I, if I, if I were a solar consumer and I was considering putting solar panels on my house, 
to offset my electric my electricity usage, I would be thinking about what the future looks like for my children and for the people that are coming after me. Because there there has to be some selflessness in the things that we do. And if we look forward to a time when we're not alive here anymore and we're not able to see what what impact we've made, then it doesn't feel like you're actually doing anything. But you know, I grew up in the 90s and I remember, you know, everybody there. I mean, the ozone, right? We've depleted our ozone. We're, we're experiencing, um, you know, uh, greenhouse gases. We're, we're experiencing um, increased temperatures year over year. And I don't want my children to live or grow up in some sort of, um, you know, wasteland. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I want, I want to see fossil fuels. I don't want to see them go away. I still love driving my, I still love driving my gas powered vehicles because it's, it's what I'm used to, but I mean, who knows what the future is going to bring for that. And I think that there was, um, there was talks about, um, the big, the big car manufacturers getting rid of creating new gas powered vehicles within the next decade or sooner. Um, and, I, I implore somebody that's on the fence or wondering about how this is going to, uh, you know, if, they, if this is something they should be doing, I implore them to think about the future mm-hmm. and and just think about it from a standpoint of maybe somebody thought about me when they were making their plans and making their choices. Maybe somebody else was thinking about me, so I should be thinking about somebody else. Because like I, like I said, it may not affect your immediate timeline, but you know, you'll see your bill. You'll see your bill go down, and you'll see, and you'll maybe feel better because you're emitting. You know, you're replacing uh, CO two usage or CO two. Um, you're you're replacing the CO two emissions. My, I'm sorry about that. And reducing your carbon footprint, you may see that immediately. But you know, our fu- our future is is all our kids have, and it's all the people that come after us have. So you know, I, I would implore somebody to think about what's next and how this can imp- impact the environment and impact the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really important. And I think it's, it's really important that people do hear that and consider that and, and decide what it is that, that they want. If, if there's an option out there that's feasible, you know, considering what it is you want for the future, I think you have to, you have to make some moves now and you can't wait for the future, because then it's like, like you said, you're going to be pushing it out so far that you, that not only are you never really going to see the effects of it, but maybe it's not going to have an effect for your kids early enough for them to, to be able to go out and play on the playground and, uh, you know, breathe clean air all the time and, and just be able to have the kind of lives that you want them to have without having as many health issues and, and all the other things that come with not having clean air available for everyone. Right. I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine growing up in the seventies when we were having all those, you know, the gas crisis and there was, um, you know, smog and, you know, other, other countries were experiencing, you know, complete sky coverage from, Mm. from, you know, from factories and from being so, um, so densely populated, everyone's driving their car, everyone's emitting, you know, these noxious and toxic, uh, fumes into the air. I mean, 
I don't know if you can imagine this, but could you imagine going outside on a sunny day or what was supposed to be a sunny day and only seeing yeah. like a, a hazy, um, you know, pastel colored sun instead of a, you know, a beautiful, bright yellow sun again, you know, against a blue backdrop with, you know, clouds rolling by and dissipating and, and just being, this, you know, it's, it's so dystopian to think about that because we were, ha- we were handed the earth. This isn't something that, you know, we didn't, we didn't build this thing. I mean, maybe we did. I don't know. Again, I'm not going to speculate on that. That might be some alien stuff or some, <laughs> some religion stuff I'm not going to get into. Um, but we were handed something and, and we're going to, we're going to go with ebbs and flows where we, you know, we're like our own worst enemy. You know, yeah. we want to, we want to build and build and build, but in the meantime, we're destroying things that were here long before us. And I'm not, again, I'm not, there's, I'm not on either side of the fence of it, but do we, we have to, we certainly have to think further out than, than today. There's yeah. today is, I mean, it's 11 o'clock today's gone. In my opinion, there's a lot, there's, there's a couple more hours left of the day, but everybody that's been up since, since the sun came up, you know, your, your day's already, if you haven't, if you haven't gotten your, your locomotion by now, mm-hmm. then you might as well just pack it up. But, you know, today's gone. Tomorrow is what we need to look forward to in, in 30 years and 60 and a hundred years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Um, Kevin, I want to thank you for joining us today. I, I learned a lot, but I, I mean, you're obviously very motivated and that motivation is, I think, turning into inspiration for other people. And so um, I hope that everyone enjoyed this episode. I'm sure they did. I know I did. So I want to thank you for joining us today and for giving your thoughts on um, not just solar energy, but, but really that drive, you know, that's within you that I think is, as you were saying, everyone has something. Yeah. And so kind of keying into that and figuring out how can you use that to better whatever you want to do, whether it's, you know, there is social justice work or it's, you know, entrepreneurship or, you know, you're an accountant and you go crunch numbers for a company. I think it, it all is important. And, and being able to do that in your own creative way is also really important. So thanks for sharing all those things. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And it was, it was absolutely a pleasure. Great. Well, we uh, obviously want to thank our listeners. We're always grateful for, uh, for you listening and interacting with us. Um, you can do that uh, by searching Bridging Chicago anywhere, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And then, of course, our website is bridgingchicago.com. And uh, Kevin, as we leave, I'd like for you to share where people can find you. And if they want to learn more about solar energy or about you and what you've done, um, can you give us the, uh, the handles as it is for all the places we can find Headline Solar? Yeah, you can find Headline Solar at www.headlinesolar.com. Um, all of our social media handles are at Headline Solar or um, Headline underscore Solar. You can find me, you know, working, trying to get the environment uh, to the next level and trying to get people, you know, educated about the benefits of going solar. And and that's that's where you'll find me. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time. We do appreciate it. And we know it's precious, so we'll let you go. But um, thanks for joining us for this episode. And we look forward to another episode with you of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceedings.